he sticks really close to the psalm. I, he doesn't have every single piece of semantic content from every verse in this song, but it covers the entire breadth of the psalm, I would say. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Worship Review, a podcast that charitably and critically examines the texts of songs that are sung in churches. My name's Colin. I'm a history professor. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tyler. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing really well, Colin. Good. It's good to be here with you. Excellent. So it's You've grown an inch or so since I last <laughs> saw you. I just stand it on my tippy toes now. That's all I do. I walk <laughs> around. We, it's been a little while because, well, I was going to ask why. I mean, Tyler and I have both been up to some things this summer. Tyler, what have you been up to? I traveled to Seattle, Washington for a wedding, visited some friends and had the good opportunity to preach there. And I went camping with my friend Colin for Labor Day and have had very busy work schedule the past few weeks. So, None of that's an excuse, but just context. Yeah, you have you have several small children under the age of four and under, and you have a new job. Those things kind of make busy transition time. Yeah, and you just started the academic year, too. I just started the academic year. I also am trying to become a real professor, so as nobody cares or knows, so I'll just be brief about it. Um, there are three levels to being a professor. One is an assistant professor. That's the entry level. And then you get tenure and you become an associate professor. And then you can eventually become a full professor, which is just professor. And so this summer, I spent a lot of time putting together a lot of material to be promoted to full professor. So that's kind of what I was doing this summer as well. And editing your book, too, right? Yeah, put, putting together the stuff from my book, which, if anyone's interested, that's called Pox, P-O-X, Romana. You can find that anywhere books are sold. You can't buy it yet. It's not out yet, but you can pre-order it, I suppose. So, yeah, I was doing Wait, that. I thought the Pox Romana was spelled P-A-X, Colin. Yeah, I know. So, it's a book about a disease, which appears to have been a pox-like disease, and it was perhaps, I argue in the book, the first pandemic. And so the publisher had a very good idea to call this thing the Pox Romana, P-O-X, after the Pox, which is pretty clever. Yeah, Pox Romana is the Roman piece, which, so yeah, I just started a history podcast also this summer called the Pox Romana podcast, which is spelled the correct way, P-A-X Romana. So not confusing at all. And that's available, too. I suppose people could listen to what I was doing there. If for some reason they wanted to hear more of my voice, which I can't imagine they do. I don't know, Tyler, does that sort of sum up what you and I have both been up to and maybe why we have not recorded as many podcasts? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just been a busy time. Okay. But we're rectifying that now. And we're going to talk about the song, One Thing I Have Asked, Psalm 27, by Nathan Partain which is a song I'm guessing that many of our listeners will not have heard, although they will be familiar with Nathan Partain, both because we had the chance to interview him, and that was a fantastic interview, and folks can look through the archives to listen to that interview. And we also 
reviewed one of his songs called Son of God uh, as part of our excellent songs. We both gave it five out of five and loved it. And so now we're reviewing a second song by Nathan Partain. So this will be fun. You selected this song for us to look at. What What is the song about? Yeah, so this is a setting of Psalm 27, like you mentioned. And in a conversation with a friend very recently, we were remarking how many churches will either sing only psalms or very few psalms and a lot of kind of newer modern worship music. And so this is a setting of a psalm for churches to sing um, that is kind of in a more modern style, but retains a lot of the verbiage and content of Psalm 27, which is just praising God for being David's salvation and our salvation and talking about how he will protect us in the day of trouble and crying out that he would hear us, uh, stating various blessings that we have in Christ from God that now our head will be lifted up over our enemies and ultimately that we have eternal life. So the psalm kind of culminates in looking upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So it this song covers the entire psalm pretty much and does it in a way that I think will be familiar to people who like more modern music styles. And on the on the in the music you can hear Nathan, you can hear his wife Sarah singing with him mm-hmm. and the band and it just has a very I don't know what you call is you wouldn't call this coffee house kind of vibe, but a very laid back um passionate style. Yeah. Yeah, I love the just like the song itself, just the musical style that it's really well done. It doesn't come across Sufjan Stevensy, like it doesn't come across no. as like breaking apart, but it still has a kind of I don't I want to put this the right way. It feels like you're just kind of listening to a live performance, but a really tight live hmm. performance. It just doesn't seem okay. It's not overproduced. It's really yeah. effectively produced. There's no distractions in the song in the way that it yeah. comes across. And this comes off his 2017 album, A Lovely Weight. And a lot of the songs on that album are like that. They are, like you said, not overproduced. Uh, they are passionate and intimate sounding, but not over the top in any way. Yeah. And there's also a live version of it on YouTube, which personally I like even better than the album version. Really? So if you go to YouTube and you type in Nathan Partain, one thing I have asked, you can see him singing this with the band and with his wife, Sarah. Is it? At a like a church service or is it a concert of some kind? No, it looks like they met one evening, and I say evening because they've got incandescent lights in between them to kind of illuminate their faces. Those evil incandescent lights that we're now no longer allowed to have. Yeah, this was before that ban. And uh, thank goodness, looks like they set up in the sanctuary of their church in Indianapolis and just put this song out. Hmm. Well, Tyler, we've bandied things around a bit for a while. What we're going to do is just so that we don't have an epically long 50-minute podcast, because there's a lot of lyrics in this song, and we just wanted to kind of get straight to the meat 
Uh, Tyler, what are some lines that stuck out to you, either for good or for bad, to criticize yeah. or to commend in this song? Okay, I can't honestly think of anything that I would criticize harshly, so maybe, or even mildly, so maybe we could come to that if something comes to mind, but I, I just see, I see nothing but good things in this song. Can I ask, Tyler, yeah. how close is this song to the psalm? Oh, it's pretty, it's pretty close. Um, so, for example, the refrain of this song is basically verse 4 of the psalm, um, and it's so, he, he does a, such, such a good job of keeping it close that it's not even like it has to rhyme in Nathan's song. One thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell within his house to be with him. You could argue maybe there's a slant rhyme in this from him to end, but he sticks really close to the psalm. I, he doesn't have every single piece of semantic content from every verse in this song, but it covers the entire breadth of the psalm, I would say. Yeah, even going into little details, which would not be the sort of details you would hear in like a contemporary worship song. So, for example... In your mercy hear my cry, your dear presence do not hide. Though mother, father may forsake, the Lord take me in, the Lord will keep me safe. In your mercy hear my cry. Your dear presence do That's just like a hard thing to think about. Like mm. the idea that the most intimate bond on earth is the familial bond, and yet even family members forsake Christians, they fail Christians, the family structure is tainted by God, despite the fact that the family is a good thing and something to be celebrated. It doesn't replace God, and it looks forward to our adoption, right? The Lord take me in. This is the idea of we're we're effectively orphans, even if we whether we come from great families, whether we come from dysfunctional families, whether we don't even know who our parents are. It really speaks to adoption, and so Partain has kept that line from the psalm, even though it's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, it, so Nathan has taken of the psalm verses seven to ten and condensed it into one bridge. And so that bridge opens with that, in your mercy, hear my cry, where he takes, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Um, that bridge is one area where he does, uh, it seems, have to or choose to um, omit some of the verses, but he keeps, like you said, that, um, that line that really cuts to the heart from the psalm. And in ESV, it's actually a little stronger. My, my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Yeah. So yeah, you have that, that, really that description of our adoption as sons of God mm -hmm. there. Another thing I like about this so song is that it is speaking of triumph in Christ in ironically a very subdued way. And I think there's something very clever going on here. So when this song opens with 
The Lord is my salvation and my light. Whom shall I fear? It doesn't start beating on your chest. It's not like you are yourself facing off against an army Mm -hmm. and you're flexing your muscles or something like that. The psalm and the song really emphasize that it's because of God and because he is our defender and he is our shield and he is our fortress and stronghold that we can have this confidence. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Nathan is able to sing this in a way that's still extremely passionate and and dependent upon Christ while proclaiming really big, powerful things Mm -hmm. about our about the non-necessity of fear yeah. for the Christian. It's it's really, I think, really clever how he does that. Yeah, Psalm, Psalm 27, like many Psalms, and I think you're right, Nathan captures this, is very much about triumph, but in the context of suffering or in a context of challenge. So there's a sense in the whole song, as Nathan portrays it, of God, is go- God has saved me, and God's salvation is going to carry me through a circumstance that I'm in or life in general and is going to deliver me to something that is promised as part of that salvation, but maybe is not yet realized in the current context. And I think that is obviously a great message for us to receive as Christians. It was a great message for the people that received it in Psalm 27, that is Israel, as they were dealing with trying to hold on to or conquer land and trying to wage basically a culture war in the midst of peoples that hated them, hated their God, were jealous of them, etc., etc., and they sort of needed constant encouragement and constant reminder that, no, God has already promised to be their god and deliver them and they they need to trust him and they can trust him and that can give them a sense of confidence and assurance and even joy in the midst of their difficulties and so nathan sort of captures that yeah you see it in the first lines that god is salvation in that he is saved but he is also the light in the sense that one is still in the darkness so he has received salvation but he is still walking in a dark context and therefore Hmm. needs the light ongoing like god doesn't save us i mean he does this for a few people he saves them and immediately translates them this happens to two people in scripture and of course this happens when we die but for most of us there's a period of time that we live in some cases many 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 years after being saved and for if we think of like god's people like the church, for example, the church has been around for 2,000 years in a world that has hated it and persecuted it. And so it's really important that we return to psalms like this one, and Nathan has brought this psalm into kind of modern music and is singing it. It's important that we remind ourselves of these things because the church as a whole, is this is part of our mission and part of our calling and our identity, is to be in an in-between place for a period of time where we are saved and set apart and called, but at the same time are in a context of suffering and persecution and difficulty. And I think one of the emphases of this song is that in that persecution, suffering, and difficulty, we have a safe refuge. Yeah. So, we, it, as you said, we are not in glory yet, but we are looking toward that glory 
which, as this song says, has no end, the glory of the Lord. And uh, you you see this desire for a safe refuge come out in this song in a few ways, mm-hmm. even through some um, even through some additions to the psalm. So, uh, for for example, in this chorus, which we hear sung several times throughout the song, the psalmist David and then Nathan emphasizing this says, "I have asked one thing of the Lord, and that I will seek." that I may dwell within his house to be with him. And then when the day of trouble comes, it talks about how God will hide me. He'll conceal me in his tent and protect me from my enemies and even lift me up on a rock well out of their reach and lift up my head. Mm -hmm. And then we see Nathan adding to that, adding this element of, of safekeeping in that bridge. In your mercy, hear my cry. Your dear presence, do not hide. Though mother, father may forsake, the Lord will take me in, and then Nathan adds, the Lord will keep me safe. Mm-hmm. So, Psalm 27, verse 10 ends with take me in, but Nathan has added a, a line here, the Lord will keep me safe. I think to emphasize that safe keeping and that refuge that we have in God, even in the midst of great strife and turmoil yeah and it's completely in line with the broader message of the psalm because again nathan is not proposing i think to just put the psalm to music he this is inspired by the psalm so he does take some license to to take some things out and put some things in but he preserves the essence and i think that extra line the lord will keep me safe is perfectly reasonable innovation if we think about a song inspired by Psalm 27. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I also like the the final lines where Nathan sets up what it is that is being looked forward to. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord among the land of those who live. Wait upon the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. And do not doubt, but wait for him. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Do not doubt, but wait for Him. And again, this is in the psalm too, this idea that we have a home, the land of the living. This is something that shows up in Scripture. And I've never quite understood exactly what this means. I speculate or hypothesize that this is in reference to the people that will live eternally, right? The people that endure and are with God in the new heavens and the new earth. I presume that's what is being said here. And of course, this is something that we get to look forward to. And so we can wait upon the Lord. We can be patient. We can, we know that we can trust him. We can be courageous and not doubt. I remember, uh, Colin, I was once reading a 14th or 15th century manuscript. It was from a, a book of the dead, this uh, Catholic liturgy for Christians who've died. And in that liturgy was written this verse. Hmm. Um, I believe, well, it was written in Latin, but I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it seems like this verse has been a comfort to Christians who are facing the suffering and, dis- and, and challenge of death and reminding them that they will again, look upon the Lord 
in the land of the living. So this concept also does come up in another psalm. It does come up in Psalm 142 again, um, where... What, the land of the living? Yeah. It shows up a bunch. It shows up in the Psalms. It shows up in Job. It shows up in Isaiah. It shows up in, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It's it's a really common idea. And it's sometimes it seems like it refers to just the world, and sometimes it seems like it refers to something beyond the world. Yeah. What did you find in Psalm 40, 142? Yeah, David says, you are my portion in the land of the living. It seems like in the prophets, it often refers to this life and this world. So in Ezekiel 32, there's this lament. Assyria is there and all her company, its graves all around it, and all of them slain, fallen by the sword, etc., etc. All of them slain, fallen by the sword, who spread terror in the land of the living. So that's clearly this present world. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's what it means. Matthew Henry gives three different um, senses in which land of the living is used. One is this world. Two is in the land of Canaan and in uh, Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And three is in heaven. Wow. So That doesn't help at all. Uh, it could be any of those three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But actually, I think, I think, okay, not to overanalyze this here, but if we read this psalm through the words of Christ and the life of Christ, um, it is true that in this world and in his physical presence in this world, um, men looked upon the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. It is, and when he was going to Calvary to be crucified, he could say, and did say, I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, in my resurrected body. Uh, and it is also true that uh, in eternity, in our glorified bodies, um, we will be again in Israel. We will in heaven be in the land of the living, not some kind of ephemeral place, no. you know, far off, but actually yeah. physically in the land of those who will live forever looking upon God's goodness right. forever. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and I suppose I was speaking to a portion of that, but I think that gives us a really full picture, Tyler. I think overall, it is a beautiful setting of this psalm. Yeah. Quite singable as well, because he makes this refrain. It works really well just as a song, even to sing in a church service or to listen to in the car. It's a really nice rendition of a song inspired by God's word. I mean, this is one thing that we say on this podcast all the time, is we love to see more of God's word in songs. It works really well when songs don't just use a piece of God's word, but really try to get a whole section of scripture or a, mm. a major concept or something. And that's exactly what Nathan's done with this. And he's done it really well. I strongly recommend the song. Same here. I think he's done a really good job with this. And my only criticism would actually be the singability. And that is in the chorus. So I think the verses are great where you have the melody is pretty singable. Etc. It's syncopated. So it might be hard for some people to follow rhythmically. But I think melodically it's fine. However, I will warn worship leaders, you may consider a different melody for the chorus just because um, Nathan and Sarah have beautiful voices and quite wide ranges. So then when he goes, One thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell within his house to be with him. He covers quite a wide range there. Yeah. Uh, and melodically the jumps aren't 
always intuitive. They're beautiful, but it almost sounds like jazz music or jazz singing or scat singing hmm. that has been slowed down, you know, immensely. Yeah. So you might consider modifying the melody a little bit on the chorus, but otherwise I think it is a singable and, and really beautiful uh, rendition of this song. Do you think, Tyler, if a person got used to it, though, they, again, it's unexpected when you first encounter it, but it could be one of those songs where if it was, I don't know, if there are, there are portions in some church services where there's like a, I don't know, an offertory or something, right, where there's a time when maybe not the congregation isn't expected to sing as much, and maybe you could play this song during that section and give people a sense for what the chorus is, and they might be able to pick it up after that. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, introduce this in a non-congregationally sung setting first. Yeah, something like that, yeah. and then get them used to it. Okay. I mean, the fact of the matter is you cover an octave and a third in that in the first two lines of that chorus. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, yeah, that's a lot. So, Tyler, do you have a rating for the song? Yeah, I'll give it five out of five incandescent light bulbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, future historians, uh, yeah. in a hundred years, um, there used to be these things called incandescent light bulbs. Well, the way we're going, Tyler, you should say in a hundred years, there used to be these things called light bulbs because, I don't know, at the rate we're going, we may, be, may decline to some uh, anthem-like... Uh, world in which you know we no longer have electricity who knows maybe we'll just get big windows yeah we'll have some kind of like neoclassical return to the um, ancient world uh i gave it five out of five cymbal mallets and one of my favorite percussive sounds in all of percussive sounds is the gentle slightly building mallet hammers onto a cymbal and this song the recording makes really effective use. It's something that's easy to overuse. Is that kind of that kind of that kind of symbol um, rise Swelling and fall? Sound. Yeah, and it's created with these mallets. It's really fun to do if you've ever uh, uh, done it, and you just kind of just you start hammering the mallets on a symbol, and instead of immediately clanging, it just it just gradually builds in this beautiful way i love the sound and partain in this song uses it to great effect wonderful all right everybody thanks for listening to another episode of the worship review hopefully the next one doesn't come in another couple of months and you get it in a week or two until then take care we'll see you next time bye you've been listening to the worship review please subscribe to the podcast leave a comment or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com we accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.